0: Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with
1: fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore.
0: All right, welcome everybody to Lit and Libations. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. So I'm really excited to finish our discussion on Persepolis, uh, two, the story of a return by Marjane Satrapi. Did you like the, the second? I loved it. I, th- I liked it better actually. I did too. I did too. I, I did thought too. it was a lot stronger. Yeah, I did too. I liked, uh, yeah, I think, which kind of makes sense if you think about it because, well, I don't know. I've certainly never written a memoir. I think a memoir would probably be a really hard thing to write in any format, mm-hmm. but I think you could probably give more analysis of your uh, more adult life yeah, uh, versus your life as a younger child. Um,
1: right. Well, and, and I think like because life gets in a lot of ways more complicated when you're an adult, I think that there are just a lot of different layers to the story that she's telling, like even more than what she was experiencing in her country and stuff. I just find it, I sure. found it, um, like you know like last time we talked about how the first part was so vulnerable i thought this was exceptionally vulnerable and just yes. i feel like i got to know the author a lot better in
0: this yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was definitely I, I and I liked it because I hadn't read the second one. Mm-hmm. So that was fun for me, too. So, yeah, I am excited to talk about it. Um, but before we get into that, um, do you want to remind everybody what our next book we're discussing is?
1: Yes. So the next book that we are going to discuss is The Maidens by Alex Michaelides. Um, the previous book that he did, I think he has one other published novel. The, silent, this, the
0: silent Patient. Yeah,
1: which is a pretty well known, I believe. I Um, haven't read that. Have you? I haven't read it, but I've seen it everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I haven't read it. So I'm excited to read this one. This is going to be a nice, suspenseful thriller. Um, It's giving me some dark academia vibes if you're into different aesthetics. And I'm really excited to uh, to read it. It'll be a nice change of pace, I think.
0: Yeah, so we will be uh, discussing that in our next episode. I think based on what I've read so far, we'll probably split it into two episodes, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll spend the next two episodes on that book, and then... If you want to get ahead of the game, the, um, what we will be reviewing or discussing after The Maidens is a collection of short stories by Danielle Evans. It's called The Office of Historical Corrections. Um, it was published in uh, 2020, so it's pretty recent. Um, and it's uh, six short stories and then a novella. And most of the um, stories deal with race, loss, loneliness in America. I love this author. Um, I, f- I followed her on social media for a long time. I've read her other stuff. She does a lot of stories for like the New Yorker and uh, Vanity Fair and stuff. And she's great. I'm really mm-hmm. excited to read this. And I think it'll be cool to do something that's a novella and short story. So another new format kind of for us. So that should be fun. So make sure you go pick up copies of The Maidens and the Office of Historical Correction so that you can participate. Yes, please. Uh, what are you drinking, Sadie? I saw it's a very pretty color and Thank a very you. pretty glass. I need a I need to like up my barware game. I actually was just looking online for some <laughs> new like drinkware and barware before we started talking. Nice. So yes, please tell me what it is.
1: That's some of my favorite stuff to collect. Like you mm-hmm. just go to even just like the dollar store or like Goodwill or something. And you can find really really cool glasses that are still in like really good shape. Um, but I am drinking. Um, I don't know what I would call it, really. It's like a gin and elderflower drink. So it's with Empress Gin, which is what gave it the color. It's mm, my favorite yes. gin. It's the best. It's so pretty. And it, it tastes great.
0: Yep, it's great. I love it, too. Uh, nice. Yeah, I didn't get too crazy today. I have uh, some ice, unsweetened iced tea and some vodka and some mint. Nice. <laughs> so that's that's what I'm going for. But it's it's working for me, so I'll take it. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, what else is new? Have you have you seen any new movies or shows? I have been hooked on The White Lotus on HBO. Have you I watched haven't that at all?
1: Started that? No. I. It's need good. To. It's kind of
0: like darkly weird. It's good. I like it. Yeah. I, I have, would.
1: Yeah. I haven't been watching a lot of television lately. Although I did binge watch a couple weekends ago, Mayor of Easttown. Yeah, that one's good. So good, really good, really good. good. And then a movie that I saw recently that I just am obsessed with now is "Promising Young Woman." It was so good. Have you seen it? It was. Why does that sound familiar? What is that one? It was nominated for Best Picture, I think, this last year for the Oscars. It's with uh, Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham, but it's about this. It like. Basically redoes kind of, like, the female revenge fantasy of, like, getting back mm. at, at men. And it just does it in such a compelling way. It's about this woman who basically pretends to be absolutely wasted when she goes out. And then as soon as these guys take her home to, like, take advantage of her, she perks right up and scares the shit out of them. And Interesting. we, like—and then it always kind of ends ambiguously, like, oh, did she, like, kill these people or— you know, how far is she kind of taking this revenge? Um, but it's all to, like, avenge a friend of hers who interesting um, had been raped. It's just very, very interesting. Um, I think it does a really good job of, like, looking at how the system kind of, like, perpetuates this, mm-hmm. these issues and school systems and how, like, nobody is really protecting or, like, standing up for... The women who are usually victims, and they they more care about like giving the men the benefit of the doubt, kind of a situation. And it's just, I thought it was a very well done and clever movie, and and completely ended in a way that I never saw coming. It was so good.
0: Well, you sold me. That's I will be
1: watching that tonight. Well, Kendrick is at a staff meeting. That sounds nice. I really think good. I think you're really gonna love it. So you should text me when you're done because I want to know what you Kay. think. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Um,
0: That does sound really good. I haven't watched any movies. Most of the movies I've been watching are children-related, so uh, the the Minions is is playing a lot in our house right now. Uh, We did just recently purchase two bearded dragons. I don't know what that is. A bearded dragon. It's a lizard.
1: Oh my gosh. Like, oh, so an actual bearded dragon. Yeah. Okay. Like
0: actual live ones. Yeah. Lachlan's been wanting it forever. So my four-year-old loves animals and I finally gave in. I had an existential crisis the other day where I felt like, we as adults are failing you children. And I'm so sorry that I have not brought you into a world where we're better. The world is crumbling in all sorts of ways. And so I had this meltdown about it. And so I was like, I can't fix the world, but I can get you a dragon. Oh, (laughs) my God. So we went went to the lizard store and it was, I spent a lot of time there. They were very helpful. Scales and tails in West Valley. Recommend if you have any lizard needs. They were super helpful and nice, and we came home with two bearded dragons, and they named them Norbert and Kevin. Oh, my
1: gosh. Well, I can guess who named the one Norbert. OK, who? you It had to have been Callan. It was. It totally was Callan. Y- yeah. yeah. So Callan named his Norbert,
0: and Lachlan's is Kevin, and they're actually really cute. Um, so we'll have to FaceTime you soon so you can see them. They're oh they are really cool. You're such a cool yeah. mom. Getting your kids bearded if, lizards. Dragons. I don't know if I'm a cool mom or a sucker. Um, maybe those two can be interchangeable depending <laughs> on who you're talking to. Uh, but yeah, so I can't make the world a healthier or safer or kinder place for them despite all my efforts, but I can get them bearded dragons. So, oh.
1: well, yeah. we got to do what we can, right? Yeah. got that's all <laughs> I can do. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Well, with that, speaking of the world being kinder, safer, um, yeah, so we kind of already talked about it, but you liked the second, uh, what would you call this edition chapter? No. Uh, the second
1: book part. Yeah. The second
0: book of her, of her memoir. Um, I really enjoyed it as well. You know, so we ended the first book with her going to Austria to go to school. She's staying in like a, it doesn't say a convent, but it's like a boarding house run by nuns. And Mm -hmm. then she's going to school there. Um, And I think it's really, I loved it. It's so, there's so much in this. Like, I don't know if we can fit everything into a reasonably lengthy episode. There's just so much like her time in Vienna, you know, it's where she really, uh, she hasn't left Iran before. I mean, they traveled, her family was, you know, well off enough that they certainly traveled when she was young, but I can't imagine, I know a lot of people do, but moving to another country and going to school and being away from your family and just kind of being thrown into this new culture and, um, it's really interesting, you know, and I think what's interesting is in the first book, she kind of comes off as, you know, her family's more liberal and, Mm -hmm. um, and then when she gets here, I think she realizes some of her, her own, like, views on things that maybe she hadn't realized like you can tell she's a little put off sometimes by the amount of makeup girls wear or you know is specifically when it comes to romantic relationships like she's still a little bit more conservative with that mm-hmm. um, but then she also has these this view that you totally understand where you know she's meets these other girls who are concerned about lipstick and boys and what she considers more trivial things and she's like you know people are are dying in my country right um And this is what's concerning to everyone else. And I think specifically because the people she goes to stay with are former friends of her mother. So they originally were from Iran. And so I think she kind of looks at them now as I think she calls the girl like a traitor. Like people are dying in Iran and you're Mm -hmm. here worrying about trivial things. So that was definitely an interesting right off the bat to kind of now have her be out of place versus in Iran. She maybe felt that way sometimes sometimes. Right. But wasn't really, if that makes sense,
1: right? She has a throughout this whole section. I think she has a really interesting struggle with like being almost attached to the war in weird mm-hmm. in a way. Like she's it's like defining. It's defining. It's like a defining for thing for her. Yeah. yeah, and you know, even when she goes back, it's like the people that she chooses to date. Um, it's like she's trying to find the people who are thinking about it in that way. And she's almost like try- makes up for lost time. It's, it's interesting because she, you know, when she first gets to Vienna, I think that she kind of gives the people around her a hard time for not paying attention. But then she also kind of does the same thing to herself when she does get back. And she attaches mm-hmm. herself to people who were connected to it or lived through even it even more than she did. And it's just kind of interesting how so much of her identity really is wrapped up in that. And, you know, who could blame her? I mean, that's what she was raised up in. And so,
0: yeah. And and she makes that point when she talks about making friends there in Vienna, you know, she kind of, uh, she describes them as an eccentric, a punk, two orphans and a third worlder. We made quite a group of friends. They were really interested in my story, especially Momo. He was fascinated by death Mm. and like, and you, you get a lot of different, um, images of her meeting these friends that are anarchists and punks and into the scene and they are it's like they're into her because she has this connection to death and war and a violence that they've never actually experienced Mm -hmm. but are fascinated by and so I think that's like it's like a way for her to make friends which is interesting that this awful thing that defines her is part of how she finds a community when she's away from her own community
1: yeah and it's i mean it's kind of uncomfortable a little yeah. bit like their fascination with it like the um what do they call it do they call them blocks like how do they what, what's the term for the the different pictures oh my gosh
0: i know there is one we'll just say that
1: blocks okay we'll say that that's um, our term for it. <laughs> okay in the block where um you know he is it Momo? Which I don't Momo. know. He's, he's the, the anarchist. Yeah. And he's the one who says, you've already seen a lot of dead people. And she says, um, a few. And he says, cool. Like that's so yeah.
0: like, it's not it's cool. It's
1: a weird response. There's a weird fascination with it that I think that, you know, there, I don't know. These just are an interesting group of people because it, they, I think are trying to be aware of all the things, which is good, but in a way, because they're so disassociated from it, like, it turns into this weird, like, not fetishization, but, like, fascination in a way that comes off sometimes, I think, as disrespectful. But at least they're interested in hearing about her life, right? Rather than, like, saying she's buzzkill or something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I I think it's interesting, because that's kind of when she starts looking into... like, She starts reading about Marx and Mm -hmm. communism and anarchism, and it's interesting, you know, she... She does all this reading and studying, and then I think that there's an interesting contrast with what she actually lives and mm-hmm. you know versus what comes out of the books and I think she makes some really nice points about people who have some viewpoints based on purely just reading about it. It's purely academic versus what have what have you actually lived mm-hmm. um and i and I think that's kind of a theme throughout this whole memoir is uh, You know, there's so much in here about theology and ideology and versus what's reality. Mm -hmm. And she does, I think, a really good job of putting herself out there in vulnerable positions of, hey, yeah, I, I think this and I know it all. Oh, shit. No, I don't. And I think she is great about putting that out there. And that consistently happens throughout the novel. Like, I think she thinks she has it all figured out and then realizes she doesn't at all. And that's the reality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: versus these, this group of people that she is friends with that think they know everything because they've read about it all in books, but they haven't actually experienced that much in life. And I think that that's such a great point of a memoir itself is just, I mean, that's all we're doing is constantly learning and you looking back on your life and seeing what you knew and what you didn't know and what you thought you knew and and your parents and you know what they thought was mm-hmm. correct. I think she has great interactions with her parents in this section and kind of sees sees them as individual people, not just her parents, which is always an interesting thing to go through Mm -hmm. as, you know, a child and then a young adult when you start seeing your parents as people and it can be good and it can be bad. Um, But yeah, I love how vulnerable she puts herself about her her own ignorance and her own naivete, despite the fact that more so than most people, she's lived a very... um, She's lived a really hard challenging life. She's definitely not what I would consider naive, but she still points out that those aspects of herself.
1: Right. I find it interesting to just thinking about the setting and thinking about you know this she moves to a country that has most definitely known war. You know, like yeah. that was such a heated spot in World War II. They definitely knew what well, you know they that country had experienced, like, devastation relatively recently. And it's mm-hmm. interesting just seeing kind of how quickly even just one generation or two generations down the line, how quickly kind of that reality gets forgotten and um, and how some of the things that were problems, you know, 20 years back, like, they never really leave. Like, I found it really interesting hearing about her um experiences in vienna yeah with specifically like racial profiling and stuff and and the judgment that she receives from you know her boyfriend's mother and mm-hmm. other people that just kind of treat her like an other and i just you know i found that really kind of a something that i knew as we all know is an issue um But seeing her kind of experience that for the first time was interesting. And I think it's interesting reading about people experiencing that ideology in a country where it had been so split based off of that othering mentality already. Right. Like it's just to me, the the memory of the people is so short in a way. Yeah,
0: I agree. No, I, I think that it's she does a really interesting job of of relaying that and I think she's treated as an other and then she almost kind of puts herself in that situation you Mm -hmm. know I think the end of that chapter where she talks about uh, or illustrates those interactions with her boyfriend and his mother you know that's then when she goes and buys drugs and becomes like a drug dealer (laughs) basically for her school and and you know kind of makes it's like she's somewhat of an outcast. She's already treated as an other. So she almost kind of leans into that. Um, and I just think that's an interesting route that, that she goes and it's, and I love how open she is about all the things that aren't even that, the negative parts of herself or things you can tell that she's not necessarily proud of, but she's just so open and vulnerable and, Mm -hmm. you know, raw with everything. It's, it's so compelling. Um, you know and i love i mean she gets kicked out for i have to find what she says so she eventually gets kicked out of her school because um, of what she says to the nuns i've got to find it she's oh it's so funny she's got quite a she's got quite a mouth on her let's see i'll have to find it but um yeah she's i think the things that she doesn't shy away from any aspect of her life or her personality or even her looks that maybe aren't that pretty to look at, if that makes sense. Mm, mm-hmm. And she does a really good job, I think, of of illustrating that. What does she say to the nuns? Well, and I think she brings, uh, speaking of with the nuns, like she gets kicked out of the school and she <laughs> makes the point that in every religion you find the same extremists, yeah. which... I love that she puts in there because so very, very true. And I think especially with her being from Iran and most Western views on Iran and on, you know, the Muslim religion, we've kind of painted it all as it's all extremist. And I think she makes a good teeny small little point in here that. You find it in everything. I mean, just if you review her right. time with the nuns at the school, like it's
1: well and like she makes
0: some really subtle little good points.
1: And the things that she has an issue with them are like are so tiny. They're so ridiculous. Like the the scene that we're talking about is when she is hungry. So she makes herself spaghetti and she goes down to watch oh, yeah. TV and she's eating it out of the pot. And then the nun, like, calls her, like, gluttonous or something, and she says... Well, she says,
0: what kind of manners are these? I found it. And she yeah. says, it's true what they say about Iranians. They have no education. And then she says back to the nun, it's true what they say about you, too. You were all <laughs> prostitutes before co- becoming nuns. And then that's when she gets kicked out. <laughs>
1: right. And such a silly thing to to get in trouble for, right? Is just eating spaghetti out of the pot, you know, and like not having manners or education. Like that's what they're getting hung up on. Um, And then how upset they get with her that they kick her out, you know, even though she's alone and in a country that she doesn't really know anybody. She has like one family friend that she doesn't have good experiences with anyway, when she first moves there. And it's, it's, yeah, I just loved that part. I love her. She's so fiery, and in so many ways, I think she's her own worst enemy. With that, she's very impulsive with yes. what she does. But then, when she says stuff like that, like you can't help but be proud of her because that's part of what, like, who she is. And she won't, even though she's been through all of this stuff. It's so fun to see her still have that, and yeah. you know, not let that like fire in her be squashed and like that happens again when she's in Iran again and she's in college mm-hmm. and she stands up and she you know she refuses to lie or act like she's more pious than she is and she'll yeah
0: she she she's so interesting like she is so fiery she I mean she'll say things like that and then you know after she gets kicked out of the school she goes to stay with her friend who's having sex with her boyfriend, and. When her mom goes out of town, they have a party and she talks about how this is not a party she was necessarily comfortable at. Mm -hmm. She said in Iran at parties, everyone would dance and eat in Vienna. People preferred to lie around and smoke. And then I was turned off by all these public displays of affection. What do you expect? I come from a (laughs) traditionalist country and and then is there at home while her friend and her boyfriend, you know, are having sex together. And she's very uncomfortable by being around them when they're not very clothed and like. You know it's just interesting that she goes back and forth in this mm-hmm. and i i mean and that's what you do when you're growing up and she's trying to figure out who she is she talks she has all these great images of cutting her hair and adding makeup and you know what does she decide to look like who who, who is she you know and i think she tries to figure that out by by dressing different ways which mm-hmm. i think we've all we can all relate to um but then, and then she ends up living in Vienna. Like she's homeless yeah. in Vienna. Like So sad. So sad. Yeah. So she, gets, you know, can't stay there anymore. She, then she finds she's. Is it, when does it that she becomes? I'm trying to remember the, the timeline. But, um, I think it's before her mom comes to visit her, isn't it, or is it after? It's after. That's right. Her mom comes to visit her, and she's she's found a place to live with a bunch of um, gay men, which is already like it's hard for her mom to swallow. But then she says, and she finds one of them. Te- her mom teaching one of her housemates how to say "I love you" in Persian. <laughs> so, so I love her interactions with her parents in this um, in this book because it is it's that part of that them becoming adults and you getting to see these adult interactions that she has. They're really I feel like. Some really touching moments, like especially when um, her mom comes to visit her when she's in Austria, and then when she moves back to Iran, and I can't remember where it is in the book, but she just there's these lovely blocks where she just basically gets all this information downloaded to her from her parents about what has been going on right. when she's been gone, and it it's a lot of information in just a few pages, and I really liked those scenes like I just can't imagine how hard that must be and to have to be away and then come back and know your parents have been this whole time and, and how they talk to her about it. And you can see how much they've changed. And, you know, she makes the background and most of these is black. You know, everything Mm -hmm. is very, is very dark. She has uh, big blocks of people that have eyes, their eyes are covered and, and they're being executed and, she really I think does a good job of just showing how heavy this all is and what that must be like to come back to your home where you want to be and on one hand you're you're happy there it's it's your home it's your family it's your language you know little things like how disgusting the tea was in Mm. Vienna to them (laughs) versus how great the tea is here you know like there's nothing like Iranian tea and and then she has to have all this information downloaded to her about just all the atrocities that are going on and how hard things still are you know it's like she talks about going to the airport when she comes home and having to put the veil back on and right. like it's just it's crazy these two worlds that she seems to always be living in
1: yeah and she seems to feel like so much shame you know like it's it's so weird seeing someone who seems She's, she comes off to me as rather confident in the way that she like interacts with people and the things that she'll say when she kind of you know gets mad when she has she has a temper and when she gets mad she says things that I find so audacious and admirable and confident but then there's so much I think shame where she feels like she can't you know she talks about how she can't even look at herself in the mirror and that she hates mm-hmm. herself um, how she distances herself. From people and relationships, how she doesn't take herself to a doctor when she's homeless and sick and she ends up like coughing up blood because she didn't get in. I think she had like bronchitis or something, but she didn't ever go to the doctor. Yeah. And so um, it's just interesting and I think complicated to see when she kind of like lets this shame and self-hatred kind of get the best of her versus, you know, what brings her out of that and what gives her that confidence back. And, um, and you know, she get, seems to get it when she's back in Iran, even though she's going through so many other things and is kind of, like, put back in this world where she is surrounded by very conservative people and in a more dangerous situation. But, you know, even back when she gets... Even when she gets back to Iran, she still goes through these bouts of depression that are yeah, really I really mean, sad she to watch.
0: Kept, she attempts suicide. You know, mm-hmm. she talks about how she's in this this deep funk because she thinks that when she came back to Iran, everything would be fine. She'd forget the old days, but my past caught up with me, and my secrets weighed me down. She becomes depressed, and she goes on a skiing trip to try and get out of her funk. And while there, these friends that she has that. Are, you know, I think this, again, where she, these two worlds constantly collide and create issues for her. So they're sitting around and talking about boys and they ask her if she's had sex and she's like, of course, you know, and then she talks about that she's had a few experiences and one of them says, well, what's the difference between you and a whore? And so, you know, this conversation's initiated about guys and sex and then she's made to feel, or she's called a whore mm-hmm. by relaying her own views and experiences and, and I think... I think that's kind of like a a big, you know, turning point for her. she goes to a psychiatrist and keeps going through them. And she says, when I was in Vienna, my life didn't matter to anyone. And that obviously had an effect on my own self-esteem. I was reduced to nothing. I thought that in coming back to Iran, this would change. But it doesn't. Because it's not, I think, you know, like a lot of us, if we just change our situation, if we just change external things, Mm -hmm. how we feel inside is going to change. And that's not true. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really hard. You just keep changing your external. I'll move. I'll date this person. I'll do this thing. And everything's going to get better for me. And those external things may change and may become better. But if you don't fix what's inside, it's never going to actually get better. And I think that she obviously has that realization after she tries to kill herself.
1: Yeah, but, um, and, but I mean even doesn't die. Even with that though, she still kind of fluctuates like going back to being what I think people kind of expect her to be and and kind of trying on different things or different outfits so to speak like when she's dating Reza um, and she talks about how she after they get married he thought he was marrying like this specific picture of a person, but Mm -hmm. she was a lot different in that um, she knew that she had kind of just gone with what he said all the time because she wanted to make him happy or she wanted to fit in in this role in a way, even though in reality that's not what she wanted. But it was kind of her only option for them as – as a couple in Iran at this time, like they couldn't really know if they were going to be right for each other without having that lived experience together. But in Iran, you have to get married in order to do that. And it's wild. Yeah.
0: She does such a great job. Like I hadn't even really thought of that before. It's like, they can't really date. They can't really have what we would consider normal interactions when you're like, just even just courting someone just even taking sex out of the equation it it doesn't even have anything to do about that it's not even about well she can't have sex with him so she doesn't know if they're like they can't really ever be alone together right like it's just oh my god like how i mean she does a great job too of pointing out just how different they are there's one whole page where she's just got these blocks showing you know his favorite activity is meditation hers is smoking you know like Mm -hmm. um just their differences in in their ideal life and what they would you know, the, the things that they like to do. And yeah, and then they've got all these challenges of they can't really interact with each other in a way that would enable them to see, yes, we are compatible or no, we're not. So it's like they have this long relationship purely because they have to. And then they end up getting married because it's like, here's the only way we can even move forward in our relationship, mm-hmm. period. Like it's, it's not even about marriage. It's just being able to be together. I mean, they can't even be out in public together. Those scenes were horrible. That scene where she Mm. is out in public and she's wearing makeup because he tells her that she doesn't do enough to make herself look pretty. So she's out there wearing makeup. She shouldn't be the um, revolution, the revolutionary guard comes. So to distract them from her and her offense, she blames some poor, innocent man saying that he said something indecent to her. And they end up arresting him and he's completely innocent. And he and Mm -hmm. then she tells Reza and Reza thinks it's like funny Mm -hmm. and also that it shows that she has this like survival instinct. And I love this. I mean, it's so hard to watch, but I love the scenes where then she tells her grandma what happened Mm -hmm. and her grandma calls her a selfish bitch. And has this great, like, have you forgotten who your grandfather was? He spent a third of his life in prison for having defended some innocents. And your uncle Anoush, have you forgotten him too? He gave his life for his ideas. What have I taught you? Integrity. Does this word mean anything to you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I, it's so hard to view this and to read this part of it. Because you can tell she feels that she has a deep connection to her family and her in her homeland and doesn't want this world that it currently is where she can be arrested for wearing makeup or for some man can be killed for the, but then to survive in it almost takes advantage of it. Right. And like, what does that mean? What does that make her? And I think it's an interesting thing to look at. How does living in that kind of world change you in ways that maybe you don't even realize it changes you.
1: Right. And I think like, I think, her actions there are that kind of duplicitousness or mm-hmm. um, like, I don't know, just selfish, selfish, selfishness. selfishness. You know, I think that that is stuff that she's criticized other people in this book for already. And I think it, this is just a point of showing that she is not exempt from participating in the, mm-hmm. in this kind of culture and for forgetting her values and forgetting what's important to her, even if it's a momentary lapse, because we know that she does care about it, but she's also human. And, you know, and also I think that there's something to be said with the fact that, um, you know, I don't think Risa is a, a bad man by any means, but there's I think in that moment, it's a good moment of showing maybe their incompatibilities and how sometimes I think she has a tendency of surrounding herself by people who like don't help her be better and yes um be a better person and and then how lucky is she that she has I think such strong family ties that no matter how kind of deep she gets and in that world there are people who kind of help bring her back to herself mm-hmm. and reality in reality and in a way that is firm, but it's also really loving. I loved, um, it kind of in the conversation of like her getting married and everything. I really loved the interactions that she had with her father and, you know, yeah. his support, but you know, him knowing it wasn't going to work, but him knowing that she needed this anyway to kind of figure herself out. And the mm-hmm. moment when they, um, go out for lunch or dinner or something and her dad kind of lays down the rules you know for how this is going to go I loved it it was first you are surely aware that in this country a woman's right to, to divorce is not guaranteed she only has it if her husband allows this option during the signing of the marriage certificate my daughter must enjoy this right Second, my wife and I have raised our daughter with complete freedom. If she spends her whole life in Iran, she'll wither. I'm therefore asking the both of you to leave to continue your studies in Europe after your diploma. You will have my financial support. Third, live together as long as you feel truly happy. Life is too short to be lived badly. And I just I really loved kind of the way that he supports her and advocates for her in this section of the book in ways I think that she isn't even like fully aware of and um, yeah, ways that she maybe doesn't even know how to advocate for herself in that way, and I just I think that her family and society is, wouldn't her society right.
0: wouldn't advocate for her. So it's right. just it's so touching and special that her father will and and is concerned about her and her welfare as an individual,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not just as his daughter.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and how selfless that is too for him to say you know leave even if like we don't get to see you all the time Mm -hmm. um you need to get out and it just shows such a high regard for her and and her potential and um his love for her as a person versus you know his you know I I wouldn't say selfish is the right word but like his desire also as a parent to be close to his daughter right you know physically like they give up a lot of years just to try to protect her and um I think that she does a good job acknowledging that in in really subtle ways without saying outrightly that she like recognizes how big of a sacrifice it was. I think she shows what a sacrifice it was.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think this is so, I love the graphic novel and I think it's so affecting in certain situations like, um, She talks about she does a great job, too, of intermixing what the culture is like and then her own life. So, like, for instance, she talks about how they're not allowed to have parties, but they do. They have these secret lives as a way Mm -hmm. to be, you know, uh, as a way to revolt. Um, And she talks about, you know, they partied almost every almost every night, you know, but then there's always the, the patrols and they'll break up the parties. People will get arrested, you know, some of them will not be released. Some of them you can get paid, you know, your parents pay for them to be released. And she says until the next time to be able to party, um, you had to have means. So also to be able to live this way, to be able to revolt, you also had to be of a certain Mm -hmm. like financial group that could afford this. And then after this, she then she says, and then one night, and then there's just blocks and there's not Mm -hmm. any Dialogue in it, and this is where they're at a party, and the Revolutionary Guard sees they're at a party, and they're coming to disrupt it. So people are running, and they're dumping alcohol, and then some people try to escape, and the guards chase them. And it's one of I can't remember her friend's name. Um, I think it, I think it's tarj Maybe I'll ha- I'd have to look for it, but um, her friend who's trying to escape. He, he falls to his death in trying to escape. He falls mm-hmm. off the roof because he's trying to run and all these blocks have no dialogue. They're just kind of these very simplistically drawn uh, images. You know, the guards don't have facial features. They're just silhouettes. Her friend is just a silhouette, you know, and, and falls to his death. And, and then all the women have to put their veils on and they get taken to jail. And it's interesting, you know, everyone who, how they respond to it, um... But then she says, and then we, as soon as they're released, they have a party again. Mm
1: -hmm. It's like,
0: they just have, they, this is how they're dealing with it. They have to keep doing it. They have to keep revolting and just some really affecting scenes without much dialogue, which is obviously so different than what you could have in a typical novel. Like that would all have to be written down. So Mm -hmm. I, I just liked seeing those scenes and seeing how it's, how by using this format, it can be so arresting.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I've loved, too, I think, like, this novel is so impactful in the time that it was written as well. Um, mm-hmm. I love the part where she says, um, "She." I think she's talking about, like, the small ways that her and the other women at college... Um, break the rules whether that be you know going home and drawing each other because they can't actually draw anything with shape like people with shape at right. school and um and I just love the part where she says the more time passed the more I became conscious of the contrast between the official representation of my country and the real life of the people the one that went on behind the walls. Our behavior in public and our behavior in private were polar opposites. The disparity made us schizophrenic, and I I just think it does such a good job of like showing how um, I think we as as kind of outsiders of these countries, we need to I guess not allow our our view of people in certain countries to be distorted by like the images that were presented in. Mm-hmm in media all the time you know or like what we see on the news isn't always the full picture and how when you get the story and the perspective from the people who are there and living through it and grew up in it you're allowed access to such a more like well-rounded view and representation of what is actually going on in these people's lives
0: yes like getting stories from real people not just like for instance I think you know you read a you read about winston churchill say during world war ii mm-hmm. and your idea of what world war ii was about or was from reading an account on him versus reading the accounts of what was life like for people living in london during those rates you know right. and what their daily life is like it's just you i i don't think it's one versus the other i think you have to have mm-hmm all of those views to really get an idea of what happened, you know, and she makes this statement throughout both books where she talks about my, her usual conclusion is one must educate oneself. Mm -hmm. And she makes this big point of, and, and it's true. And I think this is part of educating oneself about the, you know, Iranian revolution and about, you know, what life is like there and was like there and getting her viewpoint is just as important and just as educational as reading from other views of more the technical details you know more of the historical details the big (laughs) right exactly and i i think that but she doesn't do it in a hey let me educate you kind of Mm -hmm. way it's more of a hey just you know this is my story and it's important because this is what makes up real life you know Mm -hmm. not just You know, she puts plenty of details in here about specific bombings and specific laws and changes in government. And that's all in there, too. But Mm -hmm. I think she just does such a nice job of giving you the humanity side that maybe we miss out when we're just focusing on specific facts.
1: Mm -hmm. I agree. She really invites you in. It doesn't feel like she's trying to lecture anybody or like be like. It's not like she's screaming. Pay attention, but she—I think—writes such a compelling and inviting story that we can't help but listen and we can't help but Mm -hmm. care. And I love, especially like the way that she ended the novel. I found to be really beautiful because I think, kind of between the two books, um, her relationship to her parents, but like also her grandmother. I love how both of the books end really with this Mm -hmm. really close kind of important moment between her and her grandmother. And and I think yeah. she shows kind of the, um, the things that people leave behind that they sacrifice when they leave for another country. I think a lot of people um, who are not maybe directly experienced with what like an immigrant's life is like, you know, yes. I think a lot of yes. people have cause to think that Everything about immigrating is, like, they're coming to take advantage of all these wonderful things. I think a lot of people do think like that. But you forget, like, how much sacrifice goes into it when you don't have direct experience with it. And I love that she shows. And how many
0: wounds it creates? Yeah. She shows the yeah. wounds that she endures as a result of leaving her homeland. Even though she knows that's, I mean, she does it twice. You mm-hmm. know, she leaves to go to Vienna for school, and that's where we start off on this one. And then at the end, she leaves again, and she goes to to Paris, and that's where she still lives to this day. And mm-hmm. and what she's left behind, and the wounds she endures in order to have not just a better life for herself, but I think it's a way of. Of trying generationally Mm -hmm. to continue to find betterment and happiness and safety and security. I think she makes a really good point of the individual and the collective and and how, you know, I think that's a, a, a view for her. And I think sometimes we get so insular and just think about ourselves, but we don't realize that so many people who are enduring, you know, hardship... They're they're not just thinking about themselves when they're trying to escape. They're really thinking about a collective and generation and their progeny and their parent, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're because she's she's thinking about her parents. Her parents have sacrificed so much for her. Mm -hmm. They will always stay there, but they want a better life for her. She's giving them, in a sense, a better life by her, you know, by getting out. So I think that sometimes we think I think the immigrant story and this is such a great one of showing How while she can be a selfish person, how she's not perfect, how she has so many faults. I think ultimately her decisions are made out of a deep love for her family and a deep love for her country, even though she doesn't love everything about it.
1: Right. You know, you can you can see that with like how she chooses to spend her last moments. And there's a difference, mm -hmm. I think, in this book where her leaving, there's a sense of finality to it where she she feels like she's not going to come back. She says mm-hmm. between June and September of 1994, the date my definitive part departure, I spent every morning wandering in the mountains of Tehran where I memorized every corner. I went on a trip with my grandma to the shore of the Caspian Sea where I filled my lungs with that very special air, that air that doesn't exist anywhere else. I went to my grandfather's tomb where I promised him that he would be proud of me. I also went behind the Evine prison where the body of my uncle Anoush lay in an unmarked grave next to thousands of other cadavers. I gave him my word to try to remain as honest as possible. I also spent wonderful moments with my parents until September 9th, 1994, when along with my grandma, they accompanied me to Maribad Airport. I had chosen this departure, but despite everything, I felt very sad. My father cried as usual, and my mother kept her head. This time, you're leaving for good. You are a free woman. The Iran of today is not for you. I forbid you to come back. Yes, Mom. The goodbyes were much less painful than 10 years before when I embarked for Austria. There was no longer a war. I was no longer a child. My mother didn't faint, and my grandmother was there, happily. Happily, because since the night of September 9th 1994, I only saw her again once, during the Iranian New Year in March 1995, she died January 4th, 1996. Freedom had a price. And I just found that the last two pages of panels to be... Panels,
0: that's the word. Pa- pa- not blocks. Panels.
1: Panels. Wow. Look at just that. You knew it, it the I, whole time. <laughs> isn't that funny? <laughs> um, but I just found these last two pages of panels just like it just so affecting and very emotional yeah and such a lovely ending to it Mm -hmm.
0: there is such a nice finality to this I mean it's a memoir she's still alive but like it's it's such a nice finality to the story that she's chosen to tell Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and yeah I I think it's just so well done and and it's a graphic i just love it i think it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's so deep and affecting and moving and funny and, you know it's so great with significantly less words than we are used to mm-hmm. consuming and processing in a memoir and in literature and it's not like it's this brightly drawn comic book mm-hmm. you know it, it's just I think it's a great example of why graphic novels are so important and valuable and a, a great part of literature. And um, like we talked about when we first started discussing this, you know Persepolis, like I, I didn't have the most nuanced view of graphic novels until I read mouse by art Spiegelman and like rereading this first one and then reading the second one, it's encouraging me to go out and find more graphic novels and make sure that that's a part of, mm-hmm. Of my own continuing literary, yeah, you know, view because it it they're so important and I think it's a great medium and um, should be encouraged more, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, certainly in school and um, I'm going to do that with with my kids because it, it, it's a great medium. I'm really glad that we that we did this one,
1: especially for you know all those little artists out there you know I think that yeah her, her kind of story and mentioning of her getting into art and the graphic, arts graphic and, art yeah, and um it's importance to her I think you know it, it's I find graphic novels so interesting because when you the panels aren't like you know they're cartoons really they're not like Picassos. Exactly. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's not, you don't have to necessarily like be quote unquote the best with your shapes and your shading and everything to tell a story and to tell something mm-hmm. that's compelling. Like what matters is just the heart I think that yeah. you put into yes. it. And, um, well said. I, and I think, yeah, I just think that this is such a great example of like how you can, you can put so much of like all your passions into one thing and create something unique and beautiful.
0: I agree. Well said. And if that doesn't prompt you to go out (laughs) and read the Persepolis one and two, because if you haven't already, please do so. It's, it's great. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed it. And if you haven't reviewed, I hope this has encouraged you to, to do it and go out and buy and read and enjoy. So I had a really great time. With this one and it's been me great too. discussing it. Is there anything else that you wanted to
1: mention? No, I think we covered everything for me.
0: Yeah, me too. Well, I'm really looking forward to discussing our next book. Again, it's Maidens by,
1: tell me the author again. Alex Michaelides.
0: Okay, so that will be in our next episode. Um, probably two episodes on that. And then mm-hmm. The Office of Historical Corrections by Danielle Evans will be after that. That's a collection of six short stories in a novella. Um, so we're really trying to mix it up, keep it fresh.
1: <laughs> yeah. And don't, luckily there's plenty of great literature out there to do so for sure. And don't forget, if you have a request, if you really want us to cover a oh, certain yeah. thing, don't feel, don't feel hesitant at all to reach out and, and request that from us. We're happy to do that.
0: Yeah. The one time we got that Oscar Wilde, I mean, that was great. It was so, so fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody. We appreciate you listening and we will talk at you next time.
1: Bye. Bye.